Hello and welcome to series two of the Training for Influence podcast. Our aim is to help you deliver the best training possible. We'll be exploring how to make the most of every single second in a training session and how to deliver training so that it has added influence. You'll be hearing from me, Tammy Banks, and I'll be chatting with Training for Influence graduates, facilitators and experts who can speak to each of the steps. Expert, tailored, engaging and values-led. We hope you find these podcasts really beneficial. I'm really looking forward to this next conversation with Sally Fletcher. Sally is the most recent Training for Influence graduate. She was assessed just last week whilst delivering safeguarding awareness. Sally's been a police officer for 30 years and is no stranger to delivering training, being a guest speaker or running expert sessions. But she felt that often training in the police was undervalued and it was just a tick box exercise. So when she retired and decided that she would continue to deliver training, she wanted to learn how to do it properly. She wanted to learn how to deliver quality training that makes an impact, values the delegates and helps them to retain the information. She expects everybody to come back from training being able to do a better job. And that's why when she stumbled across Training for Influence on the internet, she found out more and signed up for the course. Listen to this podcast to see whether we met her very high expectations. So Sally, thank you very much for joining us today. Would you mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and why you were interested in the Training for Influence methodology? Yes, I've been a police officer for 30 years. I retired last year. During that period of time, I spent the last 17 years as a safeguarding sergeant. And I was previously on the mounted section, prior to that, a patrol officer. And throughout all my career, whenever you became a bit of an expert or had a bit of knowledge in a particular area because you showed an interest, etc., all of a sudden you were asked to, oh, come and do training for the team on that. Come and, come and give us an input. And then certainly in the last few years, leading on um, the adult protection teams in Coldsdale, all of a sudden you were the expert for all the organisations that you worked with in partnership as well. So you were invited along, oh, come and do an input on this. Come and do an input on that. Will you be our guest speaker on this? And yeah, I could go and talk about what I knew, but suddenly that started getting badged as training. And suddenly it was, a, am doing a day's training. Will you come and co-facilitate with me? And I'm thinking, yeah, I can come and talk what I talk about, but I'd never had any training in structured training. But I've always thought that training, certainly within the police, seemed to be a lot of the time undervalued. So people got banged on a training course because it ticked a box that the managers had sent you on it. And so you're supposed to know that now. And I've always tried to invest a lot in training because, it, I mean, I used to lose large chunks of my team off to training days. And my expectations, they'd come back and be able to give something back to the team and inform us all. You know, they'd be better at the jobs, et cetera. They'd be motivated. They'd come back with a big, wow, that training day was brilliant. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. But I wanted, whenever I was asked to do some training, I wanted to be able to do that. When I retired, I wanted to take on not another full-time job, but I still wanted to do something. I was still doing some training with the NHS and I loved it around adult protection. And I just thought, I want to do this properly now. I'm now representing myself. I can't sit there going, I'm a police officer. I've just come to talk to you. I'm actually saying I'm training now. I'm a trainer and I'm not. And I started scrolling through uh, the internet of various things and I came across your website. Yay. I know. Well done, Google. Thank you. <laughs> started reading and I'm thinking this is what I'm looking for somebody here has written this who really values training 
who really thinks that training is about learning something that is then of use to you and then you apply it when you go back and you can actually talk through what you've learned with somebody else who didn't go on the training and you know a bit of the cascade side of it because you understood it so well because you were totally engaged through the whole training day that you absorbed it like a sponge instead of coming away with a couple of pointers but you didn't really get the rest of it and I'm I read so pleased that our website said that to you. It did. <laughs> there was like a structure that it didn't sound like rocket science. It didn't sound like, oh my God, I can't do this. I need, I'd need to go to uni to do this. I'd need to have a degree in something. I'd need to study this to that level. It was like, no, no, you just need to tweak and put structure into what you already do. You're passionate about what you do. You've got the knowledge. You've just got yeah. to put it in a certain way that you understand the learning side rather than the training side. Yeah. I read it through and then all the, the sessions that we've had, I've gone like, I get that, the little cogs have all turned and dropped into place and I just thought, this is what I was looking for. Oh, yeah. Oh, Sally, <laughs> you've made my day. I'll speak to you again. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. So tell me then, as we've gone through the Training for Influence package and we've looked at each of the four different elements, speak to me about those elements. What have they kind of said to you? Right. So first was, I think, the amount of value you placed in the fact that people were an expert. They had operational knowledge in what they were doing. It's like that came first. So to be comfortable and to be knowledgeable about what you're talking about, we can then help you put that in a way that other people understand. But the fact that you fully understand what you're talking about and have the experience behind it, if there are questions you've got, you can draw on loads of different examples, etc. That, for me, sort of ran through everything that, you know, you have a group of people who know what they're talking about and you're going to help them put that in a way that other people understand and are interested in, but they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, because I spoke to somebody else who was part of the um, recent Training for Influence cohort. And they said that actually they signed up for it, but actually they were a little bit nervous about it. And when they came along to the first session, they were thinking, well, actually, I'm not sure whether this is for me or not. I'm really not sure. And, and the first session was about expert. And it was, we talked to the importance of being an operational expert and having walked the walk to be able yeah. to bring those sessions alive. And then also the importance of being an expert and having those facilitation skills. And he fed back to me and said that he just breathed this big sigh of relief as he recognised. He said it wasn't until that moment he recognised as I was talking that he was absolutely an operational expert. Now, similar to you, he's got over 25 years within statutory criminal justice services. So the fact that after 25 years, he was still doubting whether he was an operational expert in that field just blew me away. And he said that he sat there and as we were going through it, it kind of just connected together. And he was like, oh, yeah, she's talking about me. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I agree with that because your expertise is what you've done every day for so many years you forget that actually everybody else doesn't necessarily have that knowledge. Yeah. You know, you're living and breathing it for every day and you kind of look at people go, yeah, is that not obvious? And you're like, no, it wouldn't be obvious to me if I hadn't been doing it for all these years. And you do forget how much you actually know. Yeah, absolutely. So after the expert one, and we kind of talked to those two different things, we talked about tailored. Yeah. yeah. How did you find yeah, that? I one? have tried to do that before with a training package that I've pulled together to give to cops and then suddenly I'm asked to go and do it to the health visitors or can I bob into the hospital and do the A&E matrons and things like that. And you're thinking, well, this doesn't apply to police, you know, I need to tweak a lot of it. And I have tailored stuff that I've created before. 
I think what I should have done and I now would do is start with much higher level in their organization. So their ultimate mission, what are the key aims and objectives in the mission for the trust when delivering a service within the a and &E? Yeah, absolutely. And then connecting that to the subject for our and having those because you could have those relevant case examples to A&E specifically, which would yeah. be relevant to what they're doing on the day. And you can connect it to those policies and processes, which will give you kind of that thread all the way through. But it's, it's about balancing that detail and those elements with actually people taking it away. So it really has spoken to them. And it goes back to what you said at the beginning, doesn't it? The whole point of the training for influence methodology isn't to be a great methodology it's to apply to ordinary training sessions so that actually every single delegate gets everything they need out of that session so they go back to their managers like you said at the beginning and say this is what I learned this is what was new to me this is what I explored this is how I'm going to do things differently and actually I'm going to excitedly share that with the team as well because they're feeling full up and valued again and stuff what I found by not getting that right you can be drawn quickly into a false expertise, if you see what I mean, almost like you're pretending you know what it's like to work in A&E when you never have. Yes. Because yeah. you've tried to make it so detailed about the people that are there instead of having an overarching understanding of what their long term and what the basic games of them are. Yeah. And then asking them to tell you how they make that work in their role. Yeah, absolutely. And that really plays into the facilitation style. Do you know when we were talking about the fact that I use the word trainer when I'm talking to people because people understand that word. They know what you mean by that, yeah. Yeah. The word that we use within training for influence is a facilitator and it plays exactly back to that, doesn't it? Having that methodology and that structure and that understanding to actually be able to facilitate expertly so that the people in the room bring that and then you have those skills to connect it to the subject area it's far more powerful because the delegates take more away and actually as the facilitator you're playing to your strengths you're not trying to do things and answer things that actually aren't within the sphere of your experience or knowledge absolutely it's a really good hook into the engaging side because it's like this is how it is for me this is what I see this is what I understand you're hoping to achieve but how do you do that yeah. How does this impact on you on the ground? And everybody wants to tell you that. Everybody wants to tell you about where they're struggling on a day-to-day -day basis in their role and they're hoping that this training session or that somebody will be able to help them out with something. Yeah. So, yeah, but you can get a, quite a lot of engagement around doing that properly. Yeah, exactly. I love the way, though, there, Sally, you just did a complete seamless link into the next step of the methodology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Because there is a logic to the steps of methodology. Yeah. And it was interesting because some people have fed back and said, oh, why isn't the values part of the methodology right at the top? And why isn't that the first one to talk about? And I say, well, do you know, I debated on that numerous times, but it's for the exact reasons that you've said. And then the other delegate that I spoke to was reflecting based on actually you come in and you hear that fundamentally you need some experience you know you need to be able to have actually walked that walk understanding have connected experience it doesn't necessarily need to be in that exact setting or exact field but actually that connected understanding of sector organization customer group however it is and then once you've got that as the fundamentals you then have to have some facilitation skills so that still plays into that expert you need to be able to facilitate once you're an expert who can facilitate, you can then tailor. Once you're an expert who can facilitate, who can tailor, you can then make the session you've designed engaging, and then you ensure that that golden thread is all the way through it. And it is interesting because 
everybody says yeah but by the time you get to values you've already spoken about half of them and I'm like yeah because they come because you're the expert who is tailoring something to it again you know so I, to me values is it's a similar word although it's just different meaning around integrity so actually your integrity is there whatever you bit you're doing so wherever you are in the method your integrity your honesty your confidence in the fact that you will not tell a lie you won't make it up if you don't know it and you will be compassionate and you care about what you're delivering that goes all the way through it's not a section it's not like well I didn't have any values here but I'm now on the values section (laughs) and then when I finish that section I won't have any values again (laughs) yeah so I, I'm going to skip us back now because I skipped us forward, but we were just about to talk to the engaging element. How did you find that and hearing about kind of the learning styles? And I did um, when I, unfortunately, when I left the mountain section, I left the mountain section because I had a nasty accident and broke my back quite badly. This is the first time you're mentioning that. Well, it's because embarrassingly, I then done it two more times. <gasps> oh, Sally. And I'm still riding, I know. But police been the police they then want to find you an office job a job where you're going to be safe and you're not a liability etc etc and I took on the role of a divisional training officer yeah and so I did get some training input but because it was in a specialist unit because it was part of the mounted section firearms dog section all that lot it wasn't what they were called going to be normal training so they wouldn't let me go on all the courses I went on the initial level one level two trainers courses which were very theoretical around you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all these. And it was like, you got bombarded with all of that. So when I went through that, was it part of the book that you sent? Yeah, the chapter that I sent to you. Some of it was like, gosh, I remember this. I remember this. But I was like a sponge going through it because it wasn't lengthy and too much to read for me. But yeah, it brought it back into, I can do better. Now I've listened to all the Zoom meetings that we've done and I've read that. I've now got a little bit more of understanding of what it was all about all those years and how I actually input that into a training session because they sent me on that course and those inputs, but then they just gave you a package to stand and deliver. But again, it's around ticking a box. We sent you on a trainer's course, therefore we covered liability-wise by putting you in front of a group of people and asking you to train. But we then gave you the package, which was almost say this, say that. You know, The lesson plans were so detailed that it didn't allow you to do anything with it. So, you know, I've got a a room with dog handlers and motorway officers who don't see that their roles are joined at all. And I'm trying to teach them at the time about specs risk assessment for domestic abuse. And they're all looking at you. You've got a script and you can't then tailor it around different bits of engagement. And how do I get the dog handler to understand that this is for them? You just gave a package. So now, and having watched some of the sessions I think there's stuff that's in the back of my head that I now need to use. And I think the way the training is set up with you guys, you've got the scope to do that. You've got the scope to see that you maybe have somebody today as a delegate in your group who needs something different and you can quickly do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting because lots of people have fed back to me that one of their favourite parts of going through the train the trainer course has been observing other people. And actually looking at the methodology and seeing how other people who use the methodology bring that alive and really reassuring themselves, actually, yeah, I can absolutely do this too. Yeah. Which is just, it's been fantastic to get that feedback and fantastic for other facilitators who have been through the program previously to actually have that feedback from new people coming on board as well. Do you know, it, it works both ways. You'd have noticed that we're very feedback heavy. Do you know, we like to talk to each other. We like to say what's working for you, what isn't working. And that's back to that connectivity of those values, kind of connecting them all together 
we value your time whilst you're on this program and then hopefully joining the community because what we want to try and do is stay away from what you've just described there with the police we don't want this to be standalone we want trainers to then be able to kind of go through this but then be part of a community that we're supporting each other helping each other from a freelance perspective sharing commissions from an internal trainers perspective giving them a training community because actually internal trainers quite often there's two three or four of them in an organization and that's it whereas we want to be able to allow them to be part of a community where actually they're developing continually and we can update like the online guides that we've just updated and put in there you know we can do all of that and we can update them and it's continual and they can be part of that as we go through and some of the sessions in the community that other trainers have run for each other I've got so much value out of them and I've learned things like the other week when Mike in the community was doing the one about vulnerable victims in court I know some people will have done, I don't know any of it. And then when we had Artie doing about FGM, I know about FGM, I know what it is. I talk about it in safeguarding, but I don't know the detail. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went into some of the detail of it. And then I know it's quite different, but then when Becky's been doing like the online sessions, they're all different. But actually for me, in my capacity as a facilitator, they're all helping me to grow as well. Because I think that's one of the things, if you're a facilitator, your role is helping other people to learn and grow. But actually, if you're not doing that yourself, how do you keep that vibrance? Absolutely. I mean, if we all believe in learning, and I'm a big believer that every day it's about learning something new, it doesn't matter what it is, even if it's basic. But one of the best ways to learn is feedback. I mean, feedback is learning. I mean, you can be very resistant, but it doesn't matter even if you don't take feedback very well. You still have learned something. But if you're able to take feedback really well, wow, you're going to learn more than anything by hearing other people's views. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. doesn't mean you have to take them on board, but you hear them. Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly, I just recorded a podcast with somebody who's been through the process and they've had the full assessment and they said, wow, the assessment was really detailed and you were looking and we do, we look for every single element of the training for influence methodology and we go through it. And then as the assessment form is filled in by whoever's doing the observation, they're putting on their strengths that you've shown and also things that you can improve in or look to the future. And it is really detailed and quite intense. And I, I said really clearly, I said, how did you find that? And they said, well, actually, it was, it was nerve-wracking. It's never, it's always nerve-wracking <laughs> when you're being assessed. But actually, I felt really supported through the process. I knew because of the live sessions that we've done alongside the programme, I knew that you want me to do as well at this as I want to do myself, and that actually you're rooting and supporting, you're not looking to catch me out. Mm-hmm. And then they reflected that when the form was sent back to them with the feedback and it said, woohoo, you've met the standards for training for influence you can now use the endorsement da, 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 da. and then there's this form that goes into detail of the two different sessions that were assessed and I said how did you find that and they said actually I loved it I really loved it and I said what more than a certificate and they were like am I going to get a certificate too and I was like yeah <laughs> but, but they were like I loved seeing the fact that actually you really looked at each different element and then fed back on it and that's what we do because I think that's what we expect of every facilitator when they're facilitating a session that you can do that direct live but specific feedback because that's what makes the difference doesn't it I think as well it's not a big secret the methodology and the training doesn't have to be like, you know, it's kept a secret and not mentioned and it's just filtered there in underneath, you know, you can be quite open about it. I mean, I think on one of the sessions that I looked at, Becky actually said, use the word tailored, you know, I understand that your mission and, and therefore, and I'm like, yeah, it's no secret. 
you wouldn't be secretive about talking about being honest and having integrity and caring about your candidates and asking if everybody's, you know, you're comfortable, you know, it's important that you're comfortable and you feel settled, you're not worried about something else, otherwise you're not going to learn. You don't have to pretend why you're asking. You can be quite upfront about the methodology and, and various things on the way through. It's not like you've got to be so clever, it's got to sit underneath because it's simple. Uh, yeah, I say that regularly. Um, you, you probably heard me say it in the live calls where I say, actually, this isn't any big secret and we don't want to monopolize any market. Actually, if you're working in criminal justice, social care charities, if you're working with people of complex needs and vulnerabilities, actually, I want as many frontline workers to be getting training that absolutely meets their needs, is practicable they can apply it to their day roles and actually is excellent so that they feel really vibrant, they feel filled up, their emotional resilience is at an all-time high, you know, they feel valued, but also they've taken away as many of those skills as we've shared and retained that knowledge because that directly influences how they're then going to deliver their frontline services to some of the most complex and vulnerable people in society. And that's what we're about. There is no kind of, oh, we need to keep this a hidden secret. It's, wow, how can we help other people to deliver training in this way so they can have that added influence at the end of it? And it was interesting because I think when we were going through the course and asked for the interim feedback, the cohort, as you know, was limited to 15. And four out of those 15 people came back and said, I love how openly you just share everything. You're not going, this is mine, that's yours. We're going, yeah, share it, go use it. And irrelevant of what your next steps are, with the methodology and such like go use it i think that's right and i think that what really spoke to me about when i found tay on the internet and read it and then what came from you in all the sessions that we did was that your reason for doing what you're doing is to get as many people out there delivering quality training that the frontline delivery of whatever service it is because everybody we're dealing with is vulnerable is improved and the more people you can touch with that enhanced training and I think you use the phrases like the power of training and stuff like that it's like yeah you know training is very very powerful you can do a lot of harm with training because it is so powerful but wow what a lot of good you can do and the more people out there that are walking out of a training session and going and doing a better job how fantastic is that it's just like that's what it's about that's that's Mm -hmm. what we need to do And that's exactly what gets me out of bed every morning is because that's where I'm connected. That's the difference that I, as an individual, want to do my best to make. And when you look at it from that perspective, I spent years within the system, kind of operationally initially, I was the fawn in the sides, I was challenging, I was advocating. Whenever I could see something that wasn't working, I would push it as far as I possibly could, but within those kind of safe parameters. And as I moved up the, I guess, up the ladder really, moved into more strategic roles, I truly took with me this belief that actually I could really make these changes. And I honestly believe that within lots of my roles, I've been very lucky and I've been involved with some amazing organisations and some amazing people. And I'm sure that some of them have been positively impacted by the work I've done or my teams have done and the organisations that I've led have done and things like that. But actually, one of the things that is a massively ongoing frustration is the fact that I don't have the power to change everything. (laughs) Because actually, the sector needs more money. The sector needs more time. The sector needs more connected values it needs to stop being siloed it needs to look more at prevention it needs blah, blah, blah. you know i could go on and on and on yeah. but i can't change all of that and in some ways i've fought and fought and fought to change things and i still do my parliamentary work because i'm forever going to be championing for change and i think if you want something to change you need to be involved in it and you need to be willing to commit to actually exploring and then making that change happen 
So I still do my um, parliamentary work for that and I work operationally. I always pick a charity that I'm going to really invest in and do a day or two a week so that I keep that connected experience. Actually, the training for influence methodology is my, what I coin in my own mind, my creative solution because I can't give the sector loads more money. I can't lessen their caseloads. I can't, unfortunately, wave the magic wand unless people will be experiencing abuse. Actually, if I can use something that people are already having, which is that mandatory training and that specialist training, if I can take something that they're already having is already there and I can find a way of working it so that it has that added influence, we are absolutely making those changes on the front line because it filters down. If you think of quality training as being a tree trunk and how many leaves are impacted upon by the quality of that tree trunk, if the tree trunk is feeding out rubbish... All those leaves will struggle, they'll fail, they'll drop off too soon. But if what's going through there is quality, then those leaves are going to be... And there are hundreds and thousands of leaves that are affected by that one Ah, oh, finally, I like that. <laughs> so I'm going to talk to you again and again, aren't I? Just to get my motivation. <laughs> Tell me, what was your favourite part of going through the Training for Influence Train the Trainer programme? I think my favourite bit was the confirmation that I would be good enough, that I knew enough, that expertise was enough to then learn the rest but I think the one thing that I probably learned most was the proper structure around every training session doing the the self-care bit that's not something that I've really thought about before in training sessions so I've tried to sort of cover the fact that I understand you're doing a tough job and I know that when you leave the classroom what you learn here and in the real world can sometimes be different it's hard to apply blah 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 I do understand that but that's totally different to the way Tay does that Tay does that in a very a very direct way of you need to look after yourself and here's how important we think you are and this is how we can together and how you can look after yourself and that that's very almost like a little bit of a standalone part of every session and that was very new to me to sort of do it like that and I thought it was I thought it was really good I thought it was a lovely way certainly the sessions that I watched it was at the end so it was a very I think particularly when it's hard online so I'm used to the health and safety sort of and being able to look around the room and think somebody's being affected by this and then before everybody leaves the classroom, those people gather and they're getting the bags together and you can sort of like worm your way over to that person and just see if they're okay. It's not easy to do online, but by doing that very, very formally and structured, it's like you send everybody away with a hug. You're doing a good job, you're valued and you're going to be okay. And it's hard to do it differently online where you've picked up that somebody might actually have been knocked a bit sideways by the session. Yeah. By the session and their job and the sector, do you know, it's not the easiest sector to work in. And I, I know lots of really good people that have left for their own, the sake of their own mental health and their own kind of stress levels and things like that. And they've been beaten by the system more than anything else because actually they love their job and they love the people that they're working with and the difference they can make, but they can't cope with the pressure anymore. So actually injecting that into every single session is about kind of really rebuilding people and getting people to remember their own value that they have as well. Because quite often people are drawn to jobs within sectors that work with complex needs and vulnerable people because they give a lot. They're empathetic people and they give a lot of themselves to their role in supporting others. And it's about really helping them to realise that actually they need to be given to themselves as well and looking out for each other and that enables them to do a a better job 
So yeah, so I'm, I'm really glad that that's actually something that's really stuck with you because it's something that's... I don't think I'll want to deliver a session or a facilitate a group or even with the NHS stuff that I'm doing without adding that now because I yeah. think it's really valuable. There's also the opportunity to throw in a bit of tailoring because you find out what sort of like occupational health and what each organisation offers people for their welfare and it just prompts somebody to go, actually, there is somewhere I can go. There is something I can do if I'm struggling here. What's really interesting is that some of the, bearing in mind that I've just come from being CEO of a charity for six years, I can't help but kind of take my head to strategic as well. And yeah. so everything that we've said is extremely important and is the reason for doing the emotional resilience and the value in yourself elements within every course. But also there's a part of me that's going, and that means you'll retain your staff for longer because they'll be happier. That means that they'll be delivering better services, which means your service users will be having their needs met and then being able to move on positively, which means you'll be realising your mission as an organisation because it all connects together in that way. And if somebody's happy and fulfilled at work and can be kind of reconnected and rebuilt in that way, then it all connects together. And that then has monetary aspects, you know, because actually if you're not having to do a continuous turnover and recruitment and, you know, all of those type of things, my head goes there as well. Lots of people's heads don't. But I think because of the journey that I've taken, that's also one of the reasons because I want those service users to be actually being supported by that organisation in a way that then they can live their best life, whatever organisation it is, whatever role that they're playing that then directly feeds into the monetary outcomes and the quality assurance outcomes and the monetary outcomes and you know it all interconnects isn't it yeah and the gain and all of that is the end user every single time you know for all the strategic reasons as the end user is the big gain i know certainly within the safeguarding team certainly within my child protection teams the biggest problem we had was the turnover was losing the expertise because people burnt out yeah and because people struggled and often your best most experienced officer would potentially be the one that would be given the hardest cases be given the volume and unfortunately because of the way we sort of worked around stuff like that you would burn your best officers out you'd lose them and all of a sudden you'd lose a full team of expertise and yes your other office coming through just as good just as capable but don't have that level of experience that they can deal with stuff as efficiently or take on such a big workload and it just became so self-defeating And again, because the end user was not getting the help they needed. Yeah, and you see that time and time again. And that's the exact reason why we haven't developed a all singing, all dancing, trauma-informed and emotional resilience course. They're out there. There's a thousand of them and some really, really good ones. And I would advocate anybody to send their teams on them if they can. But the reason why we haven't developed that, we've focused on the methodology, is because realistically, people are time poor. You know, they can't be released for that time. And actually, standalone messaging doesn't necessarily always have that lasting impact. Whereas if we can support people to apply the methodology to every single training course they're going to, whether it's about health and safety, safeguarding, fire safety, risk management, whatever it is, the same methodology is applied time and time again. That's that information continually being filtered through and people continually being valued and rebuilt. So that's kind of the touch points of it, if that makes sense. That is our aim to be able to keep encouraging those touch points. So I guess my final question is, so now you've been through the programme, would you recommend it to a friend? And if so, why? Already have. Yay! <laughs> the lady that I work with within the NHS Trust, who I co-deliver training, safeguarding training with, who asked me to come along, 
she's delivered loads of training sessions with me and she delivers loads without me. I know how she works. You know, I've said you honestly would love it. You would get out of it what I've got out of it. You would restructure your training. You wouldn't throw it out altogether because we don't do anything drastically wrong. However, you would restructure it. You would place importance in different areas than you currently do. And I know, I mean, I love her to pieces. She's the most compassionate person I know. She's got the biggest heart ever. And so I know she would take this and she would be, I can be better because of this. And I know she'd love it. Oh, great that you've already recommended it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for talking to me about the methodology today. I've really appreciated your time and hopefully other people who are listening will have found it really useful and given them a little bit of insight into it as well. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much, Tammy. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found this podcast both useful and enjoyable. If you'd like to access any of the free resources mentioned, assess your training against the methodology, or find out more about the Train the Trainer program, please head to our website, trainingforinfluence.co.uk. And to finish, I'd just like to say... I truly believe that facilitating training is both an opportunity and a privilege. So thank you for recognising that effective values-led training can make a real difference to delegates, to organisations and ultimately to people accessing frontline services.